Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Hi. I'm David Richardson, a partner at Hydric and Struggles and a member of the financial services practice, where I work with clients at the intersection of technology and financial services. And in today's podcast, I'm going to be talking to Anton Katz, founder and CEO of Talos, a leading institutional technology provider. Hey, Anton, how are you doing? Hi, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And I'll start by saying congratulations. You are just closed a Series A led by Andreessen, A16. Congratulations to you and the team. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's uh, yeah, We're naturally very, very excited about the, the round. Uh, excited about the new partnerships that we've, uh, that we've added. Uh, you know, Andreessen Horowitz, Fidelity, PayPal, Galaxy, and a few others uh, are really you know, top-notch institutions that are doing quite a lot of exciting work in our sector. So we're very excited about it. Thank you very much. Why don't we start by talking a little bit about the ecosystem that Talos operates in. Could you give us an overview and some background on the business itself? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so Talos is a bilateral trading platform. And really what it means is we provide institutions, so banks, hedge funds, um, broker dealers, uh, prime brokers, and the likes, uh, the ability to interact with the underlying asset class, which is crypto and digital assets. So we provide the technology that allows these large institutions to trade digital assets, whether on their own behalf or whether on behalf of their customers. We power quite a lot of that execution at this point in the market. Fantastic. Yeah. And one way to, I guess one way to think about it is, you know, Talos is providing an umbrella of services effectively that supports the end-to-end trade lifecycle for institutions. So to kind of make it almost uh, familiar for them to interact with digital assets. Fantastic. And uh, so this is really an interesting culmination of many of the things that you yourself have done in your earlier career. And for those who are are not familiar, prior to co-founding Talos and and operating as the CEO, Anton was uh, served as head of trading technology for a major hedge fund, AQR Capital Management. And prior to that, he worked at a well-known fintech here in New York, Broadway Technology. Um, So he has a varied background that informs some of this. I'm interested, Anton, your career going through starting out in the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, studying computer science here in the US, and then serving in a variety of fintech and, and hedge fund roles. What are the characteristics that you learned through your career that you, you bring to bear as CEO and, and help you succeed? Um, yeah, it's a great question. You know, I, I, I'd like to think that quite a few things that were picked up along the, along the way. Um, you know, there's a couple of, I would say, common themes uh, through the different experiences. You know, I'm, I'm honestly very, very fortunate to have a very strong network of support around me, you know, all the way from my, my family <laughs> that's been uh, very supportive every time I, I picked the direction that they don't didn't necessarily understand fully uh, to people like my coaches when I was a professional athlete, uh, to, to mentors, to commanders and of course, you know, the, the team that Ethan and I put together at, at Talos around us is, uh, is phenomenal. So I think one of the, one of the key things is really the, that, you know, creation of that strong network of support. Um, and then I, 
I would say maybe persistence and, uh, and, and some degree of confidence. And it's a weird thing to say because I'm not saying that with confidence, but, but, but trust me that it's there. You know, it's, uh, I think that over time I kind of learned to trust that, that I and, and, you know, those around me can deal with the unknown pretty well. That, you know, all the way from an equipment malfunction when you're in the middle of a, of a competition or, you know, even a pandemic uh, that requires you to kind of adapt and, and change, but, but continue to move forward. So basically that, that I think the, the thing that helped quite a lot is to, to be able to, at least I feel that I can trust myself that, you know, no matter what happens, we can deal with it and we can make it happen. And, you know, no matter what, we will keep working towards that goal. So I think those are maybe some of the properties that, that helped along the path. What have you learned from these various roles that has helped you be a CEO? Um, yeah, so, you know, honestly, I think I've, I've learned quite a lot. I think that, you know, every professional athlete will tell you that ultimately, you know, sport and, and when you're in competition, 90% of it is, is mental. And, you know, my sport was uh, sport shooting and definitely no different, right? So it's definitely not like a John Wick movie, right? It's a, <laughs> the sport is very, very calculated and precise and, and somewhat slow and, and maybe even meditative to an extent. So things like positive thinking, like controlling your emotions, your reaction, maintaining focus are, are really, really important. Uh, and so in a leadership position, you, you usually tend to deal with quite a lot of different topics that arise. You tend to put out quite a lot of fires. So taking a balanced approach, being able to, you know, step back, get yourself into the right mindset, resolve an issue, like those kind of capabilities are crucial. And then, you know, in my military or my professional career in, in technology, Again, like you tend to learn quite a lot about people, right? So your, your teammates, your, your employees, your clients, everybody has different motivations. Everybody has different goals, different circumstances. So you always kind of need to be mindful of that. And I, I, I hope to say that I am, right? You kind of need to understand it. You have to pick when you act as, as a bridge, maybe at times, or, or maybe you have to provide a feedback and you have to effectively provide it in a way that is tailored to that particular individual to be effective, you know? So there's quite a lot of things that you you pick up along the path, I think. And as you've worked in smaller now and and you know a combination of large and small organizations throughout your earlier career, mm-hmm. are there similarities and differences in the leadership skills that you deploy in a in a smaller and a large organization? And I'm also interested if there's a consideration if there's something different about the world of digital assets that requires a different type of leadership? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think, I think in the team, no matter how big the team is or no matter, you know, whether it's a, a part of a larger organization, whether it's a small company, there's some things that are very, very similar. Uh, and it, generally speaking, right, people still remain people and the, your, your team remains your priority. So the fact that, you know, whether you're in a small company or a large company, you still need to think about things like the career growth of the individuals, you know, the individual circumstances, you know, and really the way we approach recruiting is, is also not very different. We, we think about recruiting as basically the most important thing that we do as leaders of the organization. So putting together that team is, is very, very important. But at the same time, on the other hand, right, small organization, you kind of have to be very, very comfortable with that knowns, like I said, right. And as a, as a CEO, and I'm sure in, in any other leadership positions, you kind of have to be able to take on any role, right? So today you could be negotiating a major deal. Tomorrow you could be playing the role of uh, head of HR. Maybe the next day you're literally assembling furniture. 
all of those things are, you know, like you, you basically do whatever it takes to make the team successful. So your 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 breadth of, of skill set and the, the influence is much, much, much wider, I think, in a, in a small organization. And the other thing I would say, you know, if we're talking about recruiting specifically, in a small team, you basically have zero room for error in terms of your earlier hires. Like you have to be hyper focused on hiring the best players, the A players um, that you can into that core team, uh, because you know doing that later is basically impossible. Uh, and in in a large organization, you can you can have a little bit more leeway. In a core team that you're establishing for a small company, it's uh, it's an absolute necessity. Fantastic. How have you gone about building? the team at Talos and, and what are the skill sets and leadership capabilities that you're looking for when you're hired? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it really depends. We have uh, quite a few roles. Um, the, the company has been growing pretty substantially over the past uh, year and a half. And so given our position in the market and the kind of clients that we're working with, we have uh, very quite a few different verticals that we're hiring into. But I would say, you know, the common thread would be you know, we're looking for a specific set of skills and, 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 and almost like a specific culture. And that culture is, is a culture of ownership, right? We care that, that an individual that's joining Talos is able to deliver things end to end, you know? And that, that is, doesn't have to be just engineering. It's literally everything that we do. So can you design or research something? Can you deliver something to production or launch a vertical, right? Can you, can you support it in there? Can you continue iterating on that? Deliver, you know, the, the feedback, change the organization as a, as a result of that feedback. Those kind of individuals do best at Talos. You know, um, we, in engineering especially, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate it very, very well, but I'm totally going to try because I've been thinking <laughs> about this for a while. You know, in a, in, a, in a big organization, you go and you have these like 10 to 15 large engineering teams, right? But if you really ask some of the individuals, some of the managers, everybody will point to an employee or two in that team that actually do majority of the work. You know, it's, it's that engineer that does it. It's that engineer that people are afraid that if they leave, that's really going to be troublesome for the organizations. Those are the people that we try to look for the most, honestly. And, and I, I truly believe that Talos is right now built out of those kind of people. We really try to target the, the people that are really the ones that are, you know, they are the multiplier. They're delivering 3x to 5x of the, of the work. Uh, and so, yeah, so we take, we take a lot of, uh, you know, and of course we have a pretty systematic process in terms of finding individuals, in terms of interviewing individuals, in terms of assessing the fit for the organization, because that's honestly the, the most important thing when you bring somebody on board. Um, so yeah, we're quite deliberate about the entire process. How do you think about diversity in terms of gender and race and ethnicity, but also in terms of diversity of experience and approaches to leadership? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, that's a very, very important topic. Um, you know, personally for me, especially, right? Like I, I was born in Ukraine. I grew up in Israel. My education, my career are actually in the United States. So I think that that helps. And I think that that kind of... Uh, diversity of thought and seeing a couple of different things is, is, is very important for the health of the organization to be able to move fast, especially if you're a global organization, you know? But the one thing that I think is the most important is that diversity can't be an afterthought in an organization. You have to think methodically about it. You have to put some resources toward it. You have to make it a priority. It's not something that will just happen on its own. That's actually, especially in technical organizations, 
super hard to achieve. And even for us, like, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, like, we, we're doing a much, much better job right now. Initially, we weren't. Um, it's, it's things that are improving tremendously for us in terms of diversity across, you know, gender, race, and ethnicity. Um, but it's also a big priority for us. And the plan is to do much, much better over the coming uh, quarters. I think it's, it's tremendously important. And so your own range of experiences sort of feeds into your your building out of the inclusive team dynamic. I'm also interested in the the unique aspects of the the environment that you operate in today. How how different is the digital asset ecosystem that you're in from the the broader, more mature asset classes that you've served previously? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. You know, I think that. I think it is different to an extent. I think that um, you know the kind of uh, people that the digital assets community has attracted uh, over the years has changed pretty dramatically. You know, institutions are taking uh, a much much larger participation in the asset class at this point. So while you know three years we were four years ago we were primarily seeing individuals that were you know true believers in crypto and and really wanted to experiment a lot and and wanted to to you know had a lot of this mentality. Of fail fast right now we're seeing quite a lot of individuals that are coming over from capital markets and taking a more you know uh, a harder look at crypto harder look at digital assets and really want to be involved so that itself has has changed dramatically but for us personally you know the we're, we're constantly thinking about this this term of what is an inclusive team right and, and how do you build a culture that, that that allows you to do that and I, I don't think that there's one answer to that for us the way it is it's we're just trying to make sure that we provide a space, almost like a, you know, a safe space for individuals to be able to voice their opinion, to be able to deliver feedback, to be able to, you know, really deliver new ideas. And, and as leadership, I think we, we, we always try to figure out how do you also listen to that half of the organization that is not the loudest, right? Like, how do you create an environment that the people can actually speak up? How do you? So we, we foster quite a lot of those things. But yeah, it's a very interesting topic overall. Do the institutions that are coming into this space and your your clients uh, that are like that, does it change the types of talent that you need to to grow down the road? I don't think it changes for us because you know our thesis from the very beginning was that institutional involvement with digital assets is imminent, right? We've said it when we started the company two and a half years ago, almost three years ago. And I can tell you that this past year has proven that that sentiment has changed dramatically. It's not, we, we can't say anymore that institutions are coming, institutions are here. We are seeing an enormous involvement of institutions. So for us, not a lot has changed. You know, we were always building towards that. Our perfect candidate has always been somebody that, you know, potentially grew up in capital markets, maybe carries some of the scars of traditional asset classes, you know, but we also kind of prefer some some people that have done at least some work in crypto. So they understand both of these. And the reason is, and, and I think that that's very important for all the different organizations that are participating right now and, you know, providing services and digital assets, we spend a lot of time on education. We are constantly talking to institutions about, you know, what are the similarities? What are the differences between the different asset classes? How do they need to think about their organization when they approach digital assets, right? So having a team that speaks that language, that understands the requirements of traditional um, players in capital markets is very, very important. So I wouldn't say that our hiring has, uh, has changed or that the kind of like talent needs have changed. I think it's always been kind of 
thinking about people that can speak the language but are also flexible enough to travel in digital assets. And given that the firm has been around two and a half, three years, interesting time that you've <laughs> that you chose to start a business in this space. <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued as as you think back across the last year in particular, just incredible change, I would imagine, some big impacts on the business, positive and negative. What are the important ways that your organization is building on the lessons of, uh, of the last year? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that there's a lot of lessons. I think just talking about the remote aspect of the work, right? We, Talos was always a, effectively a remote first company. A huge portion of our firm has been, has been remote because we truly believe that we hire the best people where we find them. So if we, if we find whatever geography they might be, right? And so we, we really followed that. But we also have you know, a large center in New York, a large center in, in Sweden, and now we're about to you know, launch a center in Singapore. I think through the pandemic, there's a couple of lessons. We, one is you, you, you still have to be constantly conscious and even more important than ever is, is how do you keep thinking about how you keep your team close, right? What kind of events, like how, what, what kind of engagement do you have? How do you schedule your calendar so it's inclusive and it's, it's supportive of all different geographies? You know, how do you do all hands? How do you deliver the information and transparency so everybody feels that they are a part of the team? They became even more important. And then going forward, we're now thinking like, okay, well, we are going to come back to the offices to some extent because honestly, you know, forming interpersonal relationships, it, it, it kind of helps when you're also seeing the other person in front of you. So we are planning to do some sort of a hybrid approach where it's about, you know, like two to three days in the office and then the rest of the days can be completely remote. Um, but we're also keeping it pretty flexible. We're trying to figure out like what this means. But I would say the, the, the most important thing is we're now more than ever very methodically thinking about what do we need to do to, you know, to get the team closer to one another, to, to build that kind of like network of support. Because again, people were dealing with quite a lot of really serious personal circumstances inside COVID. And building that network of support doesn't mean that it's like, you know, it's, it works for the pandemic, but nothing else. I think that this is generally a good thing that we've done here. Um, and, you know, so we do quite a lot of that. You know, we, we have social events, we have um, professional events, we have, you know, we, we meet on a, on a daily basis, the entire team. So, I mean, literally right now I'm missing the, uh, the game that we have on every Friday. So, <laughs> so it's, it's okay, I'm totally going to make it though, but, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's important. I think those are the things that we, we, we took away, you know? Well, before I let you go, let me ask, what are the games of choice at the game nights on a Friday? Oh man, so we have, uh, you know, it's, it's an engineering company, right? So pretty much everybody played some sort of games and, and have a lot of recommendations. We have one person on the team, Ralphie, that is basically responsible for the game night and it's his job on a Friday morning to come back and say, this is what we play today. So we played, you know, Among Us, we played a bunch of board games online and, and it's done across multiple regions. So it's really cool. I honestly think that this is the, the game that has been it's it, it was such a random suggestion and we just embraced it and now it's it's every Friday it's ingrained in the company culture it's just you kind of expect it to, to be there and it's a yeah it's, it's a really really nice byproduct of, of having a you know remote workforce and then you uh, you're a professional athlete but I one thing that really intrigued me is you were a judge 
on the Lego Robotics competition. <laughs> yeah. Is that, a, is that a real thing? That's amazing. Oh, it's totally a real thing. I am, I am first of all, an engineer, you know? <laughs> so I, it, the, it, it's really funny. Like, I was software engineer for, for my entire career, but what I really, really enjoy is I really enjoy building with my hands. And so, you know, working with, with robots, working with, uh, working with autonomous tools, I've built drones, I still build drones, I race drones now. Um, I, I don't have any time to do that over the past year and a half, but I, I try. <laughs> so it's a, it's an awesome thing. And then I, I got involved with the Lego Robotics, which is um, it, primarily it's actually for you know middle school and, and high school. So it's it's kids, and it's really remarkable to see because what they do is they build they they're delivered this map right, and then you know the map is sent to the schools, and then they build robots that have you know both the physical component but also software embedded in them and the idea is that they put the robot on the map and it's lego maestros they click the go button and they basically say you know like program one program two program three and the idea is that the robot is autonomously fulfilling you know completing all the different tasks and you know we're talking about like 11 year olds and 12 year olds doing this thing and explaining you know they, they later show you this graph and they're saying like okay this is where I implemented an if statement, and now this is a loop, and oh my god, it's it's the best thing in the world. It's honestly like you see this kind of thing, you get inspired. The people are, you know, kids that are building something from scratch, that are building purposeful programs. It's it's awesome. Like I really, really love it. It's a it's a great thing to do as a, as a volunteer. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, Anton, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today we wish you all the best and all the best to you and the team we wish you luck at the games night david thank you so much thank you very very much for having me and uh yeah really appreciate the opportunity to be here thanks for listening to the hydrogen struggles leadership podcast to make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app and if you're listening via linkedin twitter or youtube why not share this with your connections? Until next time.